Hey, this is Pathological Hustler. I'm your host, Amir Jamar. Uh, what I want you guys to do right now, if you like the content that I put out, you want to subscribe, go ahead and click that link uh, in the bio below. Uh, you can find me at email at, at pathologicalhustlerpod at gmail.com. If you want to check out the Instagram, it is at sign pathologicalhustlerpod. Uh, every single week, we'll be putting out ways of making passive income. If you're a person that is trying to leave your nine to five job, this is a podcast for you. If you're a person that's looking at another way of making some passive income, this is a podcast for you. If you're trying to betterment yourself and who you are right now and elevate to another level, this is a podcast for you. Hey, good afternoon for everybody who's tuned in. I'm your host, Amir Jamar. This is the very first episode of Pathological Hustler. Uh, for y'all that don't know, uh, Pathological Hustler is a financial literacy platform uh, where we just sit amongst each other with friends and family, people who are actively doing this in their community, actively making money, uh, finding passive ways to make income. And we're just learning from each other, picking a brain. Today, I got a special guest today, a, a fine young brother named Anthony Murphy. Uh, Anthony Murphy is a real estate investor, a good friend of mine. He's been flipping homes for a while now. How you doing today, Anthony? Pretty good, man. How you doing? Man, I'm doing fine, man. It's a pleasure to have you on today. I really appreciate you coming in last minute like that. Yeah, man. I got you. Glad you called. Okay. So just jumping right into it. So, you know, how old are you? How did you get into, you know, flipping homes? How did you get into the real estate game? Like, what was it for you? Right now I'm 41. So... Uh, my first house I built, I was in the military. So I got out, I moved to a little town in Oklahoma, Lawton, and I bought my first home, which I was terrified. I didn't know anything about buying homes. I didn't know anything about real estate, you know, nothing about mortgage. You know, my parents never, never went over that stuff with me. Yeah. So I bought my first home, uh, plan on staying there for a while. And then I ended up getting hired here in Houston. And I think I was only in that house six months. Yeah. And I remember I, I, I sold it. Why'd you sell it? It was a mistake. Okay. But I had heard, you know, people, they never talked about renting or holding, you know, holding properties, rentals. Everybody, when you move, you just got rid of the home. That's what yeah. I thought. So I sold it. And in six months, I made probably 25000 25000 So that got my... Nice. Right, they you got, got the my wheels head. moving. Right, so I'm sitting there. Like, I obviously went and blew it. I was young. Yeah, went and blew the money, uh, hanging out in Dallas and partying and stuff. But uh, came down to uh, came down to Houston, bought another home. Again, not really into the investment mindset. Yeah. I knew that I could make money once I sold it, but uh, you know, I stayed there a couple years, and I'm getting married. And we moved into another house, and that's when I was again going to sell that home. Yeah. And somebody's like, "Well, why don't you just try renting it out?" So I started asking around, and everybody had these horror stories. Don't do this. You you don't want to do that. You the, the tenants will tear your house up. You don't. You yeah. get late call, late phone calls. You know all that stuff. So, uh, I kind of go against the grain with a lot of stuff that people were saying. Like if everybody's going that one that way, I try to go. So like, so let me let me go ahead and ask you this. So you mentioned. <laughs> Like uh, one of these con cons is, is renting out your house. You know, you get these renters that tear up your home and, and all that. How do you kind of like screen for like the perfect renter or somebody that you actually want to move into your house? Uh, is there like an age thing you look at or, you know, like how family set up? How do you go about 
Well, there's no perfect tenant. Yeah. Because nobody's going to take care of your home like, like you, you would. would. Yeah. So it's just you can interview them. You can, you know, uh, a lot of people just take applications online or they hire somebody and they never see the person. I think it's kind of dangerous. I like to meet them face to face. Yeah, get a feel for who moving in yeah. your house. Are, is this a family? Is it a single young cat? Like, so it's just you got to do your due, due diligence. Just as okay, anything. Most like anything in research. Right. Okay. Cool. 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 Touching on that. So you move to the second house and you're getting ready to flip this house. Uh, so was there any like hiccups you ran into? Like, uh, like take me through the process of you know, flipping a home. What do I need to do? Like, like first off, what do I need to have in order for me to be able to buy a home and knowing that I'm going to flip it? Well, how do I need to set myself up? Uh, wait, so say that again, to flip a home. So I buy this property, right? Right. Um, say for instance, it's a little beat up, uh, but I know just uh, doing a soft flip, maybe some exterior paint coating, fixing up the yard or whatnot, I, I plan on putting this house back on the market. Uh, what are some things that I need to go ahead and just have in the back of my mind going through this process if I am going to get into the uh, uh, real estate game as far as, you know, flipping homes, if, you know, trying to sell, buy and sell homes for, for a greater profit? Everything is in numbers. So you're, you have to have your extra, exit strategy solid, meaning am I going to fix this up and flip it and resell it? Am I going to hold this as a rental? Or am I going to move into it? So you have to have your exit strategy like solid. Once you, like you're talking about flipping. So the numbers have to make sense in the beginning and the end. Okay. So you have to know what that market sells for. Okay. What that area sells for. You can't buy a house in, you know, and want to sell it for $300,000 if every house over there is selling for $100,000. So you kind of just have to like do your own research, research and due diligence of like yeah. what houses are going for in that market. Yeah. Uh, and Everything I'm guessing that you're kind of looking for homes that are kind of, you know, a little bit undersold, but you know, just putting a little bit of money into it, you could flip it for a greater uh, profit. Like, is that kind of your strategy? How do you, how do you go about it? Undersold, you mean undervalued? Yeah. Like a little bit undervalued. Yeah. You definitely a, want it um, to where you can, we call it a value add, meaning Let's say we use hard numbers, hundred thousand. Uh-huh. So you write, you have to know how much the repairs are going to cost. So if it's twenty thousand dollars, right then you know that you can't go above eighty thousand dollars. Yeah, you know what I mean. But then you have to take all this other stuff in consideration. How much profit do I want? How much uh, could things possibly go wrong? So you kind of, you know, it's it's kind of shaking off the the. the Sorry, the numbers. Okay. Well, well, since you've already been doing this like actively, you know, of course you've had some successes. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about a, you know, a shortcoming you came trying to flip a house and uh, things didn't exactly go as, as planned, you know, and like how you maneuvered around that or if you didn't, uh, any examples of that? Yeah. Every single house. Okay. <laughs> every single house, nothing goes as planned. Gotcha. I don't care if it's, you think it's a big mansion that is pristine or a house that's collapsing, nothing goes as planned. So you have to you have to know how to pivot. You got to know if there's a problem, what's the solution for it. Like you you just got to know all that stuff. Now, do you do you typically like work with the same construction company that you you've been using in order to buy a house? Or like, how do you 
you do you stay consistent with you know who you use? I use the same real estate agent. I use the same construction company. You know whoever does the yard. That's who I I choose to hire out. Do you how you how you do that? Yeah, most successful people tell you you have to build a team. Yeah. So you need a good team around you, and those pretty much are the same people that like y'all are coming up together with. So whether it's the same uh, contractors, same real estate agents, because when you guys are working together so much, then they know what you they know what you want. They don't have to call you every second. My my real estate agent knows. Don't call me with a one bedroom, one bath. I'm not going to buy that. Yeah, she knows. Call me three bedrooms, two bath. You know, in certain areas, don't call me. You know, my construction guys. They know what kind of uh, materials and how I want the finished product to look. So don't call me. Do you want uh, granite countertops or this, or do you want this kind of toilet or the you like? You know what I'm saying? Okay, most deaf. Okay, is there? So I, you know, sometimes I'm I'm driving around Houston and I see these signs and it says like we buy ugly homes or like. What are people trying to do when they actually see these signs? Like, how are people making money off of we buy ugly homes? Like, what what is that? Is that a is that a scam? Like, what what is that? No, it's definitely not a scam. It's that's called wholesaling. Wholesaling. Yeah. Okay. Most ninety nine percent of those people are wholesalers. So what they do is they try to take houses off your hands that people don't want to deal with for a number of reasons. Somebody could have just died. Somebody could be going through a divorce. Somebody had a medical issue and they can't afford the house anymore. It's those type of situations to where, you know, we'll take the house as is. Don't worry about the repairs. Don't worry about anything. Just hand us the keys. We'll hand you a check and everybody goes goes on. But if you try to sell a house, you know, on the market, put on MLS, they're going to want it tip top condition. Yeah. Like you gotta go and update the kitchen, update the floors. And if you don't do that, then the price comes down. Yeah, of course, of course. These guys are saying, don't worry about any of that. So they're just buying it as is, yeah. like just okay, so wholesaling the house. Yeah. Uh so a person, so I see a so basically, say for instance, if I see a house on the market, I think this house is a little it's you know, it's a little market undervalued. I don't think, you know, this is run down. I go up to the owner and I'm saying, hey, would you feel comfortable selling your house below market value? Yeah, right? don't ever do that. Never do that? No, they wouldn't know what you were talking about. And 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 you telling you saying below market value, they'd say, why would I do that? It's like me saying, would I buy your car? Or would you sell me your car below market value? You okay, tell me, so, get out of my face. So what strategy would I move? So if I was trying to get into this game and actually look at a prospect home of something I was trying to feed off to another investor, mm. how would I go about saying it? Like, give me the gifted gab that I need to be talking, like, to make people even interested. Because like you said, why would somebody else do that if they could do it themselves? So, again, it's the numbers. So you should already know. If you've seen this house is run down, like, you should already know. What are the, in, in this area, what are the top of the market? What is the top of the market going for? So every house over here, top of the market is going 400000 So you should go knowing that. If I fix this house up, it's going, I can sell it for 100000 Yeah. So then you, you approach them and say, you know, I see the house is run down or, you know, however you want to say it. Have you ever thought about selling your house? It's not, do you want to, you know, it's, have you ever thought about it? They're going to tell you yes or no. If they say, yeah, let's get to negotiating. If they say no, 
do you mind if I check back with you? Or you don't I, I even like ask them. I like how you said that because like a lot of times in business, you know, sometimes you could over talk yourself and, and yes. talk your way out of a deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And kind of like less is more a lot of times because if people actually knew that like they could make passive income doing just this, a lot of more people would be doing it, but it's just a lack of knowledge. You yeah, know, yeah. it's just well, stuff that we're we not that. taught in school. Yeah. Know? Especially in our community. That's a, yeah, that's most definitely. So I feel like in this day and age, like knowledge is really like one of the most sought out, you know, hustles. Like knowledge is a hustle within itself. You know, so many people, you got to pay for this game or, you know, I, don't, I ain't going to put you on for free, you know, because knowledge is really something, you know, um, just the educational portions of it, you know, of, of what you said. Now, how often would you say that you're actually like, uh, how many homes do you probably flip a year? Is there a certain number you try to hit? No. Uh, there's no number that I try to hit. And again, you have to be in this game. You got to be willing to pivot. Yeah. Like, cause you could start out with, you know, I'm gonna do 20 homes. You can have that goal. I mean, we should all have goals, but if it's not working, it's not working. Don't force it. You should be able to, you know, sit back on the sidelines and say, let me let everything calm down and wait for the right time. So when that right time happens, like you, you, you prepare, you just go, 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 go. So there is no specific magic number. It's just whatever is happening literally that day. Okay. I'll make whatever adjustments I need to. Okay. Um, so from you having this experience, what are like some of the challenges in real estate that, you know, an upcoming person who's trying to get into this game, uh, what might they experience? And what do they need? Like you wish you would have known before you got in here about what you need to have set up. Um, what I wish I'd known how important having the right people around, um, having a good team, just, you know, stuff like that. Really just surrounding yourself with the right people. Yeah, you could really just get rich in this day and time just knowing the right people. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah. But not knowing the right contractors, not knowing the right real estate agents, not knowing the right anything, you know, the right seller. I mean, you lose so much money so fast to now, where there, it just you don't want to do it anymore so is there like is there like an app or something for like if it was if i had got a home today and i was looking at uh doing like some minor construction on it like is there like a platform that you use to find like the best uh the best and most uh affordable uh construction that there is on the market like what platform do you use when you see mine is all networking Networking. So I spent years and years building a network. Okay. So I, I and I, I if I can't find somebody myself, then I can reach out to somebody to say, "Hey, do you know somebody? Somebody I trust? Do you know somebody? Uh, you know, a contractor, a plumber, an electrician? Because I can jump on Facebook if I want, you know, and just find any random person. I can jump on Craigslist. I can go to Home Depot and find you know people sitting around looking for work, but. That there's a huge risk that comes with that. Yeah. If you, because I know you, if you telling me, hey, I got this plumber that does great work, I don't need to really vet him because I trust you. You know what I mean? Now, do you do a lot of this work yourself? Because, uh, like, you know, now that I'm like a first-time home buyer, I do like a, a lot of construction on my own house, and I'm so surprised, like, fixing stuff myself, how much stuff actually comes. Like, it was one time, like, I failed through the roof, right? <laughs> Uh, the AC went out in my house. I was trying to figure out like why the AC went out. So I went up there thinking I was knowing what I was doing. Fell right yeah. through the sheetrock. Uh, I bust a, a, a line in the plumbing. Water was coming all through the house. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I messed up the roof. Uh, not the roof, but 
the 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 drywall above it, you mm-hmm. know, whatnot. And then, you know, trying to fix stuff my own self, I paid this guy eight hundred dollars just to fix a little solenoid on the AC. And then I ended up paying another six hundred dollars just you know, fixing the plumbing. Uh, when really the materials really only cost me probably a hundred four dollars to fix everything. So doing some of these like uh, construction homes, do you sometimes do the construction yourself, or you just totally rely a hundred percent on the uh, construction team? Or how do you go about that to mitigate costs? Listen, man, professionals are yeah. professionals. You have to trust them. Like your story, you just said, like you caused all this damage. Yeah. You just made one phone call. Could have had it. Could've all had the it time, up. the frustration, the stress, the money. Like, you you would have dealt with none of that. Okay. You know, so I trust them to do it. Now, I do, I'm on site sometimes and, you know, I'll get involved, but it's what they're saying, hey, nail this here, okay. put this here, but I'm not going in there. Trying to run the no, show. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got you on that. Um, hey, so <laughs> Anthony, I think everybody thinks that like the road to success is supposed to be this smooth journey, but uh, I know it comes with some hiccups. Like, can you tell us about one time when you thought you was going to make a lot of money on a property? You end up taking like a fat L. Yeah. I just bought, uh, so about a year ago, bought two houses in Baytown. Okay. I spent, let's say, 100000 But each house, if I fixed them up and, and, and sold them, would be worth 100000 So I was going to turn that 100 into into two. But I, I, I bought them, started fixing them up, and then COVID hit. COVID hit. Yeah. So, like, so, what challenges did COVID <clears throat> come with? So the banks changed all the rules. So my extra strategy with putting a a mortgage on it, renting it out, all that stuff, it it changed. So I had to kind of sit and wait for them to tell me how I can exit the property. Yeah. So that was a, I, I ended up losing probably thirty between the two deals. Thirty almost. grand just in total, yeah. just like that. Yeah. That now, mixed in with the banks changing the rules and mixed in with. Bad contractors. Now that like COVID is kind of like on its way out, like have some of these old rules that you you've been knowing to make money off of, are they starting to like come back in place? No, like nah. COVID's not on its way out. Okay, these effects are going to be lingering for a while because you have to think. There's so many people who have lost their homes. Yeah, but they haven't been put out of their homes. Got you. So it's so about to be right now. It's it's a shortage on houses. In six months, when they lift that referendum, and they say. Landlords can kick people out. Banks can start foreclosing. Courts can start processing. It's it's going to be it's so. Be basically, nuts. what you're saying is like, even if I bought a rental property like right now during COVID, if somebody wasn't paying their rent, I couldn't legally even put them out for no. not even paying. You know what I'm saying? So I could potentially be walking into a situation where I'm not making any money. I just have somebody dry in my house, not being able to profit off of it. Well, no, I mean I would hope that you don't yeah. put somebody <laughs> in your house that's not paying. Right, but again, that, that goes back to what I previously said. Like, you have to vet the people. Like, you, you, you I sit down with them and I talk to them. What's your job? So if the screening process is very important. Yes, in it's probably after the rehab. It's probably the most important part. Got you, got you. Uh, because there's a lot of times I be I be wanting to rent my house out, but I am terrified of the people that might move up in here and not be able to pay, or you know, either taking an L and end up having to come more out of pocket with. With what I'm already like expected to come out of pocket with, so you talk about uh, taking more in and I mean yeah, taking less like, in you know, like your when, anytime you want to like make some money, you always had that number in your head. It's like, hey, I plan on making this amount of money doing doing such. You know what I'm saying? I I, I plan on spending this amount of money to make this amount of money, 
And, you know, sometimes like in business, when you're trying to start your own business or you're trying to do anything like for yourself, you you don't break even the mm -hmm. first couple of times you do anything. You know, it's kind of like trial and error. You like working out what worked for me, what didn't work for me, you know, until yeah, so we get to that break even point. But this is the same thing, though. Like you should take that mentality into your, your house. My first house, I wasn't because the area wasn't built up. It was a new development. People didn't know about it. I wasn't making, let's say my rent was, or my, my mortgage was 1200 I can only rent it for 1100 Now, most people were like, don't do it. You're taking it, all that stuff. Repeat that one care. more time. You you were, you were had the mortgage for what? And you were trying I'm, to I'm using hard numbers just so okay. people can follow. So let's say my mortgage was 1200 Yeah. I can rent it for 1100 People were saying, don't do it. Just sell it. You know, so you have to be kind of backwards. If the mortgage is twelve, and you're trying to, Rent it for eleven hundred. Right, but would you take a house for one hundred dollars a month? I probably would. I want to make some money. Right, so I did. Yeah, I kept the house. This was in two thousand seven. Still have the same house. Now the rent has increased and the area has gone up over the years. So I took what y'all consider an L the first two years. Yeah. Over the next two years, I mean two years after that it caught up to what the market was because the power now it's value surpassed increased. that. So now I'm, I'm making an income. Now got I have the house you, on the market. Got you. Got you. Uh, I have a buyer for it. I'll make a hundred thousand dollars at the end of the month. So you were fine with taking the L for two years, knowing that the property in this, this area would go up knowing that eventually you would break even. And then eventually you'd be able to sell your, your, your property for a greater return than what you bought it for. Right. Okay, man. That's, that's kind of genius, bro. No, it's not. That, it is it's, genius. No, it's like us, us as people, we we want everything. Like we're so so microwave. Yeah, we want everything right now. We think every deal has to be a home run, like in, in baseball sense. Everything has to be a forty fifty thousand dollar deal. You know, it's crazy you say that. So I was I was listening to a uh, another podcast, and uh, <coughs> so Jeff Bezos sat down with like Warren Buffett. And he was basically saying he was like, "Bro, your your investment strategy is so simple. Why doesn't everybody do it?" And he was saying, because nobody wants to get rich. You know, everybody wants to get rich quick. Right. Nobody wants to put that time in it and have that that vision. You know, what could it be in two, five, ten years? Everybody wants to look at it like a, a now return when it comes to, you know, investing in anything that they yes. do. So that was my I, biggest I it was challenge. Funny that you, you mentioned that. That was my biggest challenge. So I had my real estate license. Yeah. And I had, you know, clients. I focus on first time and um, bad credit. You know those type situations. I, I, it was so hard talking to people because if people, you know, they watch TV, they see Instagram, they see Facebook, and they see all these pictures and these flashes of things, and you see your friend on a, or not even your friend, just somebody you follow on a private plane. Yeah. And you think, well, I should be there, but there, that picture is showing you the the two years that they grinded. Yeah, they're not gonna point. show you the grind. It's just gonna show you the product, and yeah. you're only getting. Five seconds of, you know, everything. Yeah. They might get off their plane and have a miserable life. I mean, but that's that's what we, we've adopted. So, no, to answer your question, no, I don't. I, I didn't have a problem taking a $100 loss for two years. That's $2,400. Yeah. And you fast forward it 10 years now, I'm going to make $100,000. So, you had to play the long game. Right. Well, I do that with everything. Okay, so yeah, that that that's a big deal for anybody who's looking at short term investment. 
a lot of these these get rich quick schemes, a lot of this stuff where you know people you think you're just gonna make an instant profit. Um, anything in time builds increases in value, so that that's a good point that he made. You know, sometimes well, no, you gotta uh, hold on to stuff. Let me cut you off. You can again. Let's use the baseball analogy. In any deal, sometimes you will hold a home run. You make a million dollars, but sometimes you may make ten thousand. Sometimes you may make a thousand. Made a single, you made a double, you made a triple. I mean, but profit is profit. So, I mean, sometimes people just got to be happy that they made a profit because that's 10K you didn't have. That's 20K you didn't have. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, we don't look at it that way. That that, that, that's true. the problem is if it's not a grand slam, then people don't even want to deal with it. Mm. People will leave money on the table because I don't see, you know, I, I can't close and, and, and go buy a Bugatti right now. And instead of saying, what am I going to be and where am I going to be at five years from now? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like my f one house that I flipped, this is a, a good story. I, it was a, a mother and a, uh, I'm sorry. I called this house, the owners of this house. It was an old lady. I asked her, did she want to sell it? She didn't want to sell it. And I called her every month. Yeah. Didn't want to sell it. I called one day. Somebody else answered the phone. It was the the son. And I was like, yeah, I've been talking to you. I guess it's your mother, you know, trying to buy this house. It's, you know, it's been sitting forever. She never wanted to sell it. He was like, yeah, my mom just died. We, Me and my sister, we don't want anything to do with this house. Yeah. We don't have the time. We don't have the money. You know, they held it because they grew up in it. They grew up in the house. So I was like, all right, what do you want for it? He's like, let me call you in a day. He called me. I think he wanted forty. I think we settled on thirty-two thousand. Thirty-two thousand. Fixed it up. Sold it for one hundred and thirty thousand. Mm. But it's just because, like, I stayed on it. They they didn't want anything to do with it. Now I could have took taken the first phone call from the lady. Was like I don't, and I'd have been out of house. Somebody would have came behind me, a couple months later, and, and got that deal. So, now 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 of course. I, it was great cashing that, you know, that hundred thousand dollar check deposited into my account. That was great. But I also have stories where I've had to go to the closing table and put down twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, okay. Ooh, so you 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 dropped a lot of gems uh, you know, today on this podcast. Uh one thing that I just kinda wanna like feed into you, you know, making passive income. Like I remember reading a, a story that was saying that like we will work until the day that you die until you can figure out how to make money in your sleep. Mm. How has being able to make passive income changed your life? You know, just the way, like, cause you have a good job. This is not your, right. this is not your full-time entrepreneurial job. Like you have an actual nine to five job too, right. right? I work for the government. You work for the government. Hey, yeah. you know, you're always going to get paid. <laughs> yeah. Aviation controller, correct? Right, correct. Okay, cool. So, and you also, you know, you're flipping homes uh, passively, you know, to make income. How has that, you know, kind of changed your life as far as, you know, your, your time with your family, you know, setting yourself up for retirement? How has that been for you? Well, it's just like you just said, it, it alleviates a lot of stress. Like, I don't have to worry about certain things. I can walk off my job at any time. I can travel when I want. I can go blow you know, a thousand dollars in a club. Not that I would, if I wanted I, to. I've seen you do that. I've I've seen you cash out at the club. <laughs> I've seen you do it. We, you was right there in the, you, anyway. you give me trick vibes when we go out. 
Anyway, <laughs> I don't do that often. Okay. Sometimes if you work hard, you gotta you gotta party you gotta hard, man. We party hard. I, I, look, I totally agree. Yeah, we party hard. But I'm saying it, it just alleviates the stress. That's and, and you can't put a price on that. Uh, I think that's really important, man. I th- I think that's that's everything, bro. Because it's like I remember one time I was working this job, bro, and I was working like 80, 90 hours a week, and I was bragging to my my homie. A week? I called, man, a week. I was putting in like 80, 90 hours. Uh. Or, you know, working in the oil field. And I was hollering at my homie. I call him my rich homie because he's always been on some type of, like, entrepreneurial grind every time I've met him. And uh, this guy told me, he was like, man, Amir, you're not lazy. Like, you're not lazy. I give you that. You're not lazy. But until you learn how to make money in your sleep, you're working mm-hmm. to the day you die. And I was right. like, damn, you know, like, I'm putting in all this work. You know what I'm saying? I'm putting 80, 90 hours in for another company. Yeah. What am I doing for myself? And that you CEO know? that you're working for, he's sleeping in his bed while you He's sleeping working. in his bed. And that's when I realized, I was like, you know, the rich don't work for money. They buy assets and they let their money work for them. So I feel like in this community, you know, it's a lack of knowledge that we have as far as me, you know, making passive income. You know, you would be so surprised at how money is so abstract these days at the things that you can actually get paid for doing. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, I was watching this YouTube, I, you know, I watch a lot of podcasts myself. And this guy was talking about how he literally just sits at home every single day and he makes podcasts. I mean, now he doesn't make podcasts, he makes playlists for people who are at work, just like music that you would listen to that you hear on the radio all the time. He sits at home every single weekend and he makes these playlists and he puts them on YouTube and off his streams, he's able to generate seven to eight K a month. Right. Just off of shit that, you know, would take 10 minutes out of your time to do that. People are actually out here making money doing. So even, you know, forming this podcast, I kind of just wanted it to be like a a tool of information. You know, there's so many ways of, you know, accessing a dollar that we don't know about. For generations, we've been kept from, you know, the stock market or just basic knowledge. We're not taught, you know, credit in school, taxation, economics, or, you know, the economics that we are taught is not beneficial for us to life. You know, like the society is raising us to a point where, you know, they're just getting us ready to work for another person, you know, doing work for your own self, you know, being your own entrepreneur. It's a scary step, but it's not a, it's not an unattainable step. You know what I'm saying? People like, People like you, you know what I'm saying? People like me or people like anybody. Like a lot of millionaires you see nowadays, they don't look like millionaires. They look like me and you. They they walk, they go to Starbucks, they put on their pants just like me and you. But there's ways of accessing money in this day and age that, you know, it would it would baffle you that you could find out people was making money doing this, you know? So uh, I appreciate you for coming on the show, brother. You know, you shared a lot of knowledge, a lot of gems. You know, about rental arbitrage, buying homes uh, wholesale, and uh, just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, now, if, if I was a a person trying to get into this game, uh, would I be able to, like, reach out to you and, you know, maybe pay you for your service and facilitate a rental flip for me? Absolutely. All my services are free. I love helping people. I love, you know, answering questions. Give me a tycoon underscore Tony 713. Or you can email me, ant, A-N-T, murphy29 at gmail.com. I'll answer any questions you have. We can work together. I'll steer you in the right direction. I'll give you my contacts, whatever you need. Okay, I appreciate you for coming on, brother. Go ahead and take a shot with me.